Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle... Is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast? The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just two fifty. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. My name is Dave Hanready, and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 282. It's Craig's birthday. Yay! That was a nice <laughs> hello there from you. I'm feeling festive or seasonal or one. celebratory, whatever it is. Yeah, it's Christmas, everybody. We're uh, halfway It's Craig's Christmas. birthday. Happy birthday, Craig. I. Uh, it's also Canada I, Day, I believe. It's a big Two one, yeah. I, nations. I screwed up, man. I, I, I knew your birthday was coming up, of course, but I was going to be like, you know what I'll do? I'll be a cool guy. I'll be a good friend. And I'll say, take the week off. And then I realized, <laughs> wait, hang on, we're recording tomorrow and that's his birthday. <laughs> and the show kind is of employ- in play, pl- employees I don't like doing the show. <laughs> it's just like, oh, thank fuck. I got a day off for my birthday. I'm very happy to be here on my birthday. Yeah, well, you know, it hasn't been much of a birthday, I know. You've been working now doing the podcast, so we'll just blast through the show. It'll be a 10-minute episode, it'll be okay. Don't worry. <laughs> you put up some very nice um, <laughs> social media messages on ve- ve- multiple platforms. It was great. I did, yeah, I did. I, I, I was did, like... I was wondering if there was a hint there in the Twitter one that we might be getting a little drop-in caller. Maybe a cameo from a, an Elton John or something. You guys had used your industry connections to get a bit of Crocodile Rock in his back garden or something, but I don't see any extra windows... 
I'm afraid, Elton, I was in negotiations, but he's busy, so I'm sorry. I, something about Wimbledon being on or something, I don't know. Uh, the Do you Euros. know what, actually, <laughs> I, I was on my social media accounts there. <laughs> Just because you'd put some stuff up, I checked Instagram for the first time in a while, since probably I last posted on it, and I, like, instantly got served an ad for fucking beard dye. <laughs> it was like a dude with a grey beard. And, like, it's like Colorsmith or something. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I can't even grow a beard. I'm getting, like... <sighs> Hair dye ads. Is this 33? I guess it is. Hey, welcome to your, I was going to say welcome to your mid-30s. So, yeah, listen, I mean, I don't know. I I, I just felt like I should celebrate my friend online. I thought it was a Thank good you. thing. Although was. I did notice that, like, you know, like the, the photographs I put up of us on Instagram, it kind of makes us look like a couple that have since divorced or something. So maybe some people would be like, In many ways oh, we are. Okay, good for them. But um, afraid not, guys. Just life What partners. can I say? We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. Yeah, listen, Zoom is just not being my friends today, so sorry about that, listener. It's, my favourite drop more... <laughs> on my birthday. <laughs> Fucking hell, yeah, I'm getting kicked off this call every five seconds, so that's not great. But um, what is great is No Encore podcast, and on this episode of No Encore, of course, you and I are back together. I want to thank Zara Hedeman for stepping in last week and stepping yeah, all over the great. show, as she can only do. Uh, I still haven't got through that top five, by the way. I will. I just One haven't day you will. It. Yeah, it's a yeah. journey. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Bobby D. Um, Bobby D. Happy birthday to him and to Craig. So, uh, yeah, on this episode of No Encore, we're going to review the new record from Tyler, the creator. It's called Call Me If You Get Lost. And our top five is top five songs about being lost. And I had a late in the week kind of realization, Craig. We did winners and losers recently. And I was like, is this the same thing? And I don't think it's the same thing. I had that exact same thought process as well. It was quite late at night. And it's not it's not the same thing at all. Because it's not about losing. It's about being lost <laughs> precisely yeah it's very different <laughs> very very different people get it it's either you know geographical or existential it's not about a competition sure i can't imagine geography is going to play too much of a part but we'll see you never know well, um you say that uh but speaking of geography and speaking of people who can map out great songs saint sister in conversation on no encore this week there's a separate episode it was out a couple of days ago I had the chance to chat with Morgana and Gemma of St. Sister, their excellent new album, Where I Should End, is out now. And if you haven't heard that album, do. And if you haven't heard the episode of No Encore on your No Encore feed, please do that. Speaking of the No Encore feed, coming soon, No Popcorn, The Doors. We recorded it and Craig made his debut. How are you feeling, Craig? Glad I did it. It was a, a rite of passage. I got a lot off my chest. I, fe- I felt like... I felt like a stone lighter after the episode. Just like vanquished some old demons. Higgs was very considerate through the whole process. It felt like therapy. You were great. It was good. It was a good vibe. So, yeah, it was. It was fun. We had a good time. The episode's coming very, very soon. It's currently in the editing bay with Sonic Architect David Tapley of Tandem Felix fame. Uh, but before we move on with the show uh, this week, we have to make a big announcement. There's a, a genuinely seismic announcement for the show, which we have to get into right now. Adam, can you hit the wistful music, please? So here I am with my thoughts of you And this world I've left for me Stoic faces when I think of you And how I once believed So now you call me But 
You know I won't let you through I'm myself to deceive So wistful and emotional that I got kicked off the Zoom call again. This is going really well. I thought uh, you just couldn't so, take it. No, I, I, I can't. And admittedly, like, you know, I'm doing my usual playful thing. But this is a serious message. Um, no Encore is leaving the Headstuff Podcast Network. This is the last episode of No Encore on the Headstuff Podcast Network. And I want to take this opportunity to thank Alan Bennett and Paddy O'Leary from Headstuff, without whom this show would not exist. Uh, I was initially the music editor for Headstuff back after I left Hot Press, and obviously I was I was lost, so it kind of fits in with the theme of this week, oddly enough. Uh, they gave me a shot, they gave me some kind of stuff to write, and eventually Alan Bennett was like, why don't you just do your own music podcast? And a monster was born. Uh, can I say that I wouldn't have started one anyway? I don't know. I mean, of course, you know, with the way the world trended... And with every mediocre white man starting a podcast about music, I probably would have got there. But nonetheless, Alan and Patty have given this show so much love, encouragement, time and effort, uh, like from giving us a fucking studio, uh, allowing me to go into that studio and talk about the microphone week on week, uh, creatively produce my own show with almost zero input from them in terms of like what it should or shouldn't be. You know, they've given me kind of the freedom to be like who I am and what No Encore is. Uh, ultimately helping out with quizzes and live shows, you know, uploading the episodes, hosting it, all that kind of stuff. I mean, they have been immeasurable and immense and incredible. And we're, we're moving on. Uh, essentially, the reason we're moving on is just because we value our kind of independence and we kind of want to go out on our own and just kind of want to be an independent entity, really. I mean, we haven't even been in studio, really, Craig or I, for a very long time. Don't know when that's going to change. And we do kind of feel like we kind of feel like our own little thing and we always kind of have and we just, it just made sense to us to kind of like just try something new and the something new for now is to just be completely independent. So with that in mind, um, this is the part of the show where I plug the Patreon page as I do every single week. But I will say that like, first of all, as Craig said last week on the show and as, as I should say more often... Uh, a legitimate thank you to everyone who does support the show on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Noancore. You know, we try and give extra episodes where we can and, you know, bonus content. But ultimately, it is a labor of love. It is a case of if you like what we do and support the show and want to help us out and keep the lights on and keep the show going, uh, it is hugely important and very, very valued for people who do that. So if you want to sign up, if you want to give us, a, like, give us a dig out, give us a help out and keep the show kind of moving on, especially now as we kind of enter into this completely independent zone, like no sponsorship, no studio, uh, no kind of network over our heads, really. Um, we're not about to pivot into like fucking horrible Joe Rogan territory or anything, don't worry. Still very much the same boys that you know and love. And uh, Craig, I know that, you know, you've had dealings with Alan and Paddy over the years as well. Like, it, it seems only fitting that well, we can... phrase that was odd. <laughs> positive dealings. Yes. Nothing but positive dealings. Um, yeah, I just, I yeah, I just want to say, first of all, uh, how long was that intro? <laughs> A final indignation to poor Alan and Paddy and the listener that was like, what's happening? Um, but yeah, I echo, of course, all your statements there. They've been immense. They've been the reason we've been doing this and it's not just having like the brilliant studio just to walk into that we had for so many years was all the extra stuff even now as we are kind of more independent the weekly uploads 
just the friendly faces and the advice and the support and we've done you know sold out live shows where they've been so instrumental and really made them happen that wouldn't have happened without them um and every aspect from like you know selling tickets on the door to like putting out chairs and just doing running around after us essentially um physically and emotionally (laughs) and yeah as you say it's kind of it becomes like a logistical thing of we've been our own little island for over a year now um and Headstuff is kind of doing its own thing in terms of network. And the main reason this change is happening is so there's no change really for the listener. Um, so as you're listening to this, very little will change. And kind of that's why we're parting company on the best of terms. And yeah, if you listener ever think of starting a podcast, I would recommend going to those guys because they're best in business and they're a tremendous sport and great fellas all around. So yeah, we'll miss them. Yeah, as Craig knows as well, uh, we are in the process now of kind of moving the podcast over to a different platform. Adam, our wonderful sonic architect, is handling that process and he assures us and assures you, listener, that there should be no change whatsoever for you. If anything goes disastrously wrong, we will, of course, immediately look into it day and night. But yeah, it should be a very, very smooth and seamless process. The only people who are going to be hurt by this are us, emotionally. And as yeah, I and say... And it's only a podcast, so nothing it's only a podcast, disastrously man. wrong. <laughs> you mightn't get the podcast for like an hour or something. That's worst Banned case forever. <laughs> Banned forever from the internet. Yeah, gone. Um, but yeah, one last push though. Patreon.com slash noencore. Uh, it's Craig's birthday as well. If that sweetens the deal, I don't know. I'm not begging or nothing, but like, yeah, we are now independent. We are now adrift in the world of podcastery. Is that a word? Maybe. All right. On that note, uh, let's start the actual show proper now that we've, you know, upset everybody by playing Fuel. So, you know, good song though, I think, right? We can all agree. But let's hear something a little bit different. Hey, you heard about the good news? And it really will be good news if I get through this new section without getting kicked off Zoom again. It's happened about six times so far, so let's see how we go about it. Uh, I put together a new section this week as Craig's birthday present. Uh, so... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So why don't we start with some sad news. Um, on the day of recording, a judge in America, where else, has denied a conservatorship. I, I can't say it. You fucked me up because you couldn't do it last conservatorship. week. Conservatorship. There it I is. I could do it last week and I've been able to do it every week except for the first week, which was last year. <laughs> you did it last week the first time and then when you went to say it again, you stumbled. Into oh, that's pencil. true. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up on my birthday week. I'm just keeping you grounded. Memento mori, my friend. Uh, conservatorship <laughs> removal request has been denied by a judge in America. Relating to Britney Spears, of course. However, this is actually a reference to an initial motion that was filed last November. It's yeah. not related to her testimony, which, of course, is currently uh, making headlines, further headlines. So a developing story. But uh, making further headlines is Christina Aguilera, her kind of one time, I suppose, rival. I mean, they, I guess they would have been put against each other by the industry and the media, yeah. of course, even though they're probably mostly friendly to each other. Uh, she wrote an open letter this week. And said that these past few days I'm thinking about everything Britney's going through. It is unacceptable that any woman or human wanting to be in control of their own destiny might not be allowed to live life as they wish. To be silenced, ignored, bullied or denied support by those quote-unquote close to you is the most depleting, devastating and demeaning thing imaginable. The harmful mental and emotional damage this can take on a human spirit is nothing to be taken lightly. Every woman must have the right to her own body, her own reproductive system, her own privacy, her own space, her own healing, and her own happiness. While I am not behind the closed doors of this very layered and personal yet public conversation, all I can do is share from my heart on what I've heard, read, and seen in the media. The conviction and desperation of this plea for freedom leads me to believe that this person I once knew has been living without compassion or decency from those in control. And she goes on to say her heart goes out to her. She deserves all the true love and support in the world. Comments echoed by pretty much everybody. I mean, like, of, of, apart yeah. from, of course, Jamie Spears, who's fighting against this. But 
I mean, can this kind of stuff make a difference? Can like a major celebrity endorsement make a difference, Greg? Well, I mean, Britney Spears is a major celebrity, so up until now, that hasn't really worked. You would hope, and as you kind of keenly pointed out, and a lot of the tweets and stuff I've been seeing and headlines haven't, you know, mentioned that it is in relation to last November. So the kind of fresh wave of pressure and Britney's own comments and things like this hopefully will make a difference uh, in upcoming kind of hearings. Um, It'll be an ongoing story. It's nice to hear. It's common sense. It's sad that these statements have to be made. Um, Justin Timberlake put one out as well uh, quite recently and he kind of got buried immediately for doing so because, you know, there was lots of how dare you, you hypocrite. And But I guess at least, you know, the support is there from all corners of the industry, uh, certainly publicly. And yeah, we just kind of watch and wait and hope. Yeah, it's also good, I think, to see kind of, like I say, former pop rivals, two women, of course, who were yeah. very much exploited by the industry and, you know, have kind of had their difficulties there, come together essentially in one sense. Uh, I, yeah, however, I don't know... Sorry, I, was, I, I just don't know much about their relationship. I was wondering if you, like, was there any well, feud over the years? It seems like it was something that was probably completely orchestrated. Um, yeah, I mean, like, ultimately... They were in the Mickey Mouse Club together as kids. They might have been I think, friends. I I, like, so I recall, like, you know, around the turn of the century, around Summertime for Humanity, 1999 and so on, it was like, you had Britney Spears emerge, and granted, like, her image was sexualized, but she was also seen as the kind of more innocent one. And Christina Aguilera came along, and she was, like, a bubblegum pop person. She, of course, had her big, um, very provocative reinvention, I guess, around 2002 with Dirty and the ad campaign that went with that and the image kind of rebrand where she was uh, very, very sexualized. And I guess it was kind of, you know, devil angel thing, I think, with them too, for some people and for lads mags and for kind of critical commentary. Um, I say critical commentary, but like obviously like baseline fucking, you know, whatever. But I mean, ultimately, yeah. you know, they had that thing where they presented an award together and they shared a kiss with Madonna or something at another performance. And it was all like, oh, my God, this, very chased by like, like by modern standards. Yeah, but in the I, early remember, 2000s, I remember watching that and like the camera cutting to like Justin Timberlake, who was like, oh, my God, <laughs> it was like such a fucking load of nonsense. Yeah, back when MTV kind of dominated and yeah. was was actually a pop culture thing, whereas now, um, you know, it's a much different time. I think the key statement in this Christina Aguilera statement is when she says, the person I once knew, which I think would obviously indicate that, you know, professional rivals, presumably respectful colleagues, but probably not best friends, and certainly yeah. appear to be estranged to some degree, which maybe makes the statement a bit more powerful. What I was going to say earlier on was, great to see kind of two women in particular in the industry come together on this level. Yeah. However, not happening uh, with with two different women in the industry, and kind of a, you know, generational thing here as well. Courtney Love, who has been making some very questionable statements as of late, has come out and slammed Olivia Rodrigo, who of course we recently interviewed the debut album by Sour few weeks ago with Alice Kiernan and basically Olivia Rodrigo was promoting a concert film called Sarah Prom and she has an image of her in which she's holding up flowers and appears to be crying her eyes out and it's all very stylized. Uh, some people commented and said that the imagery was remarkable to uh, Holes live through this album cover Yeah, and basically like Courtney Love put up a post about this and said, like, spot the difference, hashtag twinning, Olivia Rodrigo. Hashtag twinning, my God, I haven't heard of that in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Presumably, why would you hear that on a regular basis anyway? Uh, Olivia Rodrigo commented on Courtney Lowe's post and said, love you and, and live through this so much. But it was a trap. Craig. It <laughs> that was, was actually, a real panicked response as well, wasn't it? Like, I love you, I love you, please don't hurt me <laughs> online. 
but it was that thing of like it, it like i actually read it more of like an innocent thing where she was like oh my god courtney love is fucking shouting me out here this is amazing it's every teenage popster's dream well she can't courtney be that Lo- much of a fan of courtney love if she expects that kind of response <laughs> <laughs> well courtney love came along and fired back again to me this was just pure entrapment uh, courtney love said olivia you're welcome my favorite florist is in notting hill london dm me for deets i look forward to reading your note um, and then she put up a bunch of Facebook comments over the weekend and said it was rude of her and her label Geffen, which I think actually has ties to Kurt Cobain and bad stuff there in the past, maybe. Uh, not to ask myself or the cover art photographer uh, to use this. It's happened my whole career, so I don't care. But manners is manners. She went on to say stealing an original idea and not asking permission is rude. There's no way to be elegant about it. I'm not angry. It happens all the time to me. But this was bad form. That's not bullying or bomb throwing. This person's music has nothing to do with my life. Possibly never will. It was rude and I gave every right to stick up for my work. Don't gatekeep me. I'm honourable as fuck to my fellow artists and I expect the same. I I have informed her and I await her flowers and note. I sure hope it's long. Does Disney teach kids reading and writing? God knows. As long as this. (laughs) Let's see. Uh, And if I had a dollar for every time this happens, I'd be really, really rich. Does she have a point? I mean, I really liked her first comment because, like, it was, you know, had a bit of attitude. I think it actually made the point of, like, would have been cool for a shout-out, but it's all grand. Um, But then this long kind of spiel where she's like, can she even read or write? She just does herself no favours constantly on social media, as we know. And in terms of the central point of whether it's theft... um, my immediate thing was like, I love the Live Through This album cover. It's very striking. It's, you know, iconic in certain circles, probably circles involving me and not many other people. But um, I just think like that's clearly just Carrie, right? <laughs> like the film Carrie, like it was based on that. And I would imagine, I do think Olivia Rodrigo's thing is nodding to Courtney Love. But if that's already a reference, isn't that just what pop music does and rock music just recycle stuff and pays homage and i don't know well that's an argument that's that's one argument you could make craig and it's an argument let me tell you that's backed up by elvis costello or elvis costello if you prefer i think Uh, it's costello it is because it's a fake name (laughs) and it should be costello you're right (laughs) he uh he responded to a twitter user always great declan mcmanus is not that his name declan mcmanus i think that might be his name sounds like a golfer um elvis costello sounds more like a stadium filler i suppose uh so yeah he responded to someone on twitter claiming that the opening track of rodrigo's album sour which is called brutal which i know that you liked uh, is pretty much a direct lift from Elvis Costello. Uh, this classic thing that people on the internet love to do where they're like, let's t- let's tell on people, you know? And Elvis Costello weighed in, Craig, and said, that's fine by me. Uh, it's how rock and roll works. You take the broken pieces of another thrill and make a brand new toy. That's what I did. So who knew Elvis Costello would be the avatar of peace in this particular budding pop war? Hopefully they can all work it out. Uh, someone who can't work it out, I believe is Bruce Dickinson of Iron Maiden fame. He's not happy, Craig. Have you read this story this week? Yeah, the headline's quite striking. Bruce Dickinson is an idiot. Um, It's basically... (laughs) Well, hang on, that's my headline. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and we are, of course, not, you know, no slander here. It's more of a, um, you know... I mean, I think we can back it up in court, you know? Well, I hope we don't have to come to that. Paddy and Alan are probably like, thank Christ. (laughs) (laughs) It's about time. You know, Bruce Dickinson was very much in favour of Brexit and it going through. And, you know, he was talking. um, 
he had some ridiculous notions that it would somehow make the UK even more flexible and actually people would you know it'd be great for tourism and touring and travel and trade and all of that jazz of course shock horror it has proved to be very much not the case and now he's just giving out about the government um well let's saying, um yeah let's take a listen so he was, he was on Sky News during the week he was standing in a what looked like I guess puddle London version of uh, which <laughs> puddle <I don't> <laughs> yeah that was the lead story Iron Maiden front man is uh, mildly perturbed by water pooling around his ankles no so he's also a pilot isn't he so I guess he's got he big is, business yeah. concerns you know and, and of course a front man of um, would, you, would, would you say Iron Maiden are the best band in the world Craig um, second to U2 I would say I don't want to put you on the spot here <laughs> It's the first band I thought of that also had a, a, a jet. Um, I don't think he, answer. like, I don't think he pilots commercial flights, Dave. <laughs> no, I, don't I don't think there's a Bruce Dickinson thing where it's like, he needs to get those punters in. I think it's just him being a rock star with very, you know, a lot of time in his hands. And, That'd be yeah. outstanding, though, wouldn't it? If it was <laughs> it like, great. Who, who are you flying with? Uh, Maiden <laughs> Airlines. And it's just fucking run to the hills playing every time you stand up out of your seat. Okay, so here is Bruce Dickinson chatting to Sky News and, you know, again, I want to I remind you that this man willingly knowingly voted for Brexit. Adam, let's hear from Bruce Dickinson, please. Don't get me started on, on uh, the, the government's attitude to the entertainment industry. I mean, we are probably one of the UK's major exports I mean, come on. And yet we're sitting here, we can't do anything. We can't even artists. I mean, I mean, all right. I mean, I'm very, it's very well known that I voted for Brexit. But, you know, the idea is that after you've done it, you then go in and be sensible about the relationships you have with people. So at the moment, all this guff about not being able to play in Europe and the Europeans not being able to play over here and work permits and all the rest of the rubbish. Come on, you know, get your act together. So, I mean, far be it for me to draw comparisons with Melvin Ben here or anything, but there's a bullishness I, I, that I detected somewhere around halfway through. And also, Craig, do you think... Ah, come on, get your act together is a strong enough argument to when it comes to discussing post-Brexit trade, customs and general other officialdom. I think he thought this true, Dave. Um, I will say when I heard that, come on, I was like, that is a man who misses touring. It was like I could see him on that stage. It's been like, come on. Melvin Ben would have loved that enthusiasm. And um, yeah, he's like clearly just a dude used to get in his own way. Um, it's amazing how all these British rock stars just kind of curdle with age and become a bit weird and reactionary and... Um, don't think things true. I guess that's what happens when you're wealthy beyond everyone else's wildest dreams for decades and don't have to do with deal with kind of logistical or administrative stuff for so long. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a problem of his own making. Yeah, I saw someone on Twitter uh, putting up this clip and they were like, I ordered beer. Why did you bring me beer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that thing of, you know, I what love what he think was going to happen. But like, this is uh, the thing, because his, his thing of being like, right, yeah, I voted for Brexit. That's done. And he's like, and he's like, but what's supposed to happen next is, and I'm like, oh, really? Really? Like, like were you part of those negotiating like, situations? Yeah. Like, like what, what what documents did you see, Bruce, that, that they're not following up on? What the fuck? Boris Johnson is your prime minister, you <laughs> idiot. I'm sticking by that headline. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so we'll move on now to a much different story. Uh, we spoke about the passing of DMX recently. Mango did an excellent contributor spot for us yeah. about the, the career of DMX and everything he meant to him. So go back and check that out if you've yet to. It was a couple of months ago. 
Uh, the reason we're bringing up DMX is because, uh, according to this article, which is strangely written, he's reportedly said to be, quote, resurrected by CGI in order to finish work on his final film appearance. So DMX, of course, has done some acting. Uh, I recently watched a film made by Hype Williams called Belly, in which DMX is in it and Nas is in it. And very uh, visually incredibly compelling. And DMX certainly had a screen presence for sure, whether it was in you know, interesting art house projects like that, or even a crap Seagal film, you know, he tends to kind of dominate the screen. Yeah. Um, I don't know about this, though. Tara oh, Reid. Oh, really? <laughs> I was like, yeah, Tara Reid. There we go. <laughs> Here's your first red flag. Tara Reid, <laughs> who shot to fame in films such as American Pie, American Pie 2, American Pie 3, the fourth American Pie film, and then uh, when American Pie t- the Wedding? American Wedding? Was that it? And that, I think that's the third one. Okay. Um, and then Reunion is the fourth one. But then, of course, that's splintered off into a big franchise. You know, there's like American Pie Presents now, and I don't think any of the... I think Eugene Levy is in them all. American Mage with Tom Cruise was not a <laughs> spin-off. Yeah, that, that, that was a bold reinvention. Uh, Chris he was Nolan stiffer in that, wasn't he? <laughs> like, yeah, he yeah. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, anyway... Uh, Tara Reid was also in uh, Urban Legend, I believe. Gets her head chopped off with an axe. Spoiler. Uh, Spoiler so word. here's the thing, right? She's not a great actress, I think that's fair to say. Friend of Jedward, though. Um, and yeah. she mostly plies her trade these days in the Sharknado franchise, I do believe. So have you ever seen one of those? I haven't. I've seen lots of them, yeah. Really? They're um, compelling. compelling. As a man watching. who famously doesn't watch that many films, you really, you really make a count. So. Do you know what? I think the first one... It was almost the opposite of uh, the Fast and Furious uh, franchise kind of thing where that becomes self-aware and uh, apparently gets far better for it. But Sharknado was great because it was crap, like really, really bad for the first one or two. And then they realised, ah, we're, we can laugh at ourselves and just make it purposely crap. And But them laughing at themselves wasn't funny. Do you know what I mean? So I was also out not- by about the seventh or eighth one. That's fair. I mean, like you went in for the long haul, um, yeah. and listen. I mean, like I think I think committing to a franchise of that, like it, it certainly questions someone's sanity. I mean, for example, like you'd have to be a real fool to sit down and watch every Fast and the Furious film over the last ten days or so. Oh, Who wait. would do such a thing? Who would do such a thing? Maybe we'll talk about it in approximately two minutes. Tara Reid's quote, though, not funny at all. It's a movie called Dog Men, uh, DMX's last film, and she says it was really interesting because he didn't get to finish the whole film. Uh, okay. Uh, they had to do what they did with Paul Walker. They made these facial sculptures and they put it on a face and it looks exactly like him. It's crazy. The last couple of scenes that he had to film, that's what they will be doing. It's incredible. It looks so real. It's how they're going to film his last scenes. And I'll be in those scenes with him. Um, I will give her the benefit of the doubt in terms of, I don't know if she was being really enthusiastic about the kind of opportunity. I'd imagine she was just stumbling over what she was saying and being like, yeah, it's, it's interesting because uh, he didn't get to, you know what I mean? I would like to think. I'm, well, I'm very worried about the CGI because if they can afford a cast list that includes like Tara Reid, what standard of CGI are we going to get? Yeah, it should be noted that like the Paul Walker thing was relatively seamless, whereas I don't... Done, yeah. Tastefully done, as, as these scenes can be. Uh, okay, you defended Tara Reid there, and in fairness, I am injecting a bit of a joyous, buoyant tone here, as I'm wont to do as a podcast host, but how do you feel about this quote when she says, I think it'd be a great film, he's a great actor, he's a voice, and that mattered a lot to him. I think he will be really happy about how this movie comes out and looks. I mean, you gotta you, you got to downgrade that to past tense at this age, Tara, I'm sorry. I know uh, not if you've months. got a strong belief and faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, Dave. Okay. You you have just turned 33, Craig. <laughs> I know, Jesus, that age. <laughs> uh, Scott Wayland of Stone Temple Pilots fame, who passed away some time ago, uh, 
there's a film coming out about him as well, based on the memoir that he wrote, Not Dead and Not For Sale, it's called. The film is currently titled Paper Heart, and it's been in development for some time, apparently. Um, the producer said it's an honour to have the trust to tell Scott's story and the ability to portray the less known sides of him, the loving and tender man he was, the high school athlete he was, the melancholy mm. soul he was, and the legendary frontman that he will always be. We want to make the most authentic film possible. And beyond his page-turning memoir, connecting with those closest to him is important to get those details right. Uh, these things always send the best of intentions. I guess it will come down to budget, who plays him. It sounds like an art house film. Like Scott Whalen has done Temple Pilots, there are certainly particularly American um, successful act, but like not quite queen. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I don't see this being like a huge mainstream film, really. I don't even know if it'll get made again. It just sounds like a project that you hear about once, like for yeah. a Radio Nova story and the then never hear about again. Yeah, as you say, the statement is like, it does sound like it's going to be quite an intimate kind of portrait of him, you would hope. Um, so maybe, yeah, best of intentions. The fact they have access to the music and unreleased music as well always helps these things. Like or a Bowie one recently where it was just like we have got no Bowie music and everyone's like I am not watching that so yeah that plays a part yeah that film was called Stardust which I have not gotten around to um, penultimate news story this week uh, Fast and Furious musical you say yeah Vin I Diesel. did two minutes ago Dave <laughs> <laughs> you didn't say musical though uh, Vin no, Diesel you're right Vin Diesel who, uh, can, and can I just shock you that's not his real name Craig Vin Diesel's not his real name what is this real name? Declan McManus? Or? Uh, I can't remember. I read it in a profile. I read it from this week in Men's Health. Uh, so <laughs> catch me reading Men's Health for Vin Diesel profiles. Read the articles. <laughs> I think it's Mark something. It's very generic by comparison. He looks to like a Vin, Mark. Vin Diesel. Um, so Vin Diesel has been doing the media rounds lately. And the man is turning into a Noel Gallagher-esque rent-a-quote. But thankfully not as problematic. Um, he said that he would like to do a Fast and the Furious musical um he's big into his music of course he did uh, play that song before didn't he didn't he do did a song that was terrible um it was okay actually i think <laughs> this is pretty bad Craig. <laughs> he said uh, i was this close to doing... as bad as it should have been in fairness <laughs> I, to the man i agree but it wasn't good Cut mark some slack um he said he was this close to doing guys and dolls with steven spielberg and we ended up not doing that but i am dying to do a musical um i think this is classic get people into the cinema to promote my new movie guff i don't think he is telling the truth whatsoever granted the fast and furious franchise has become insanely outlandish yes i did in fact watch 10 of those films because there is a spin-off that makes 10 over the last two weeks craig before we move on do you have any questions for me about that how did you survive oh is it true that they go to space well, in the well, new one that's <laughs> a big spoiler I'm, I'm, is I'm, it though I'm, I feel well, like well, everyone is talking about them possibly going to space and I don't know if it's a joke or not well, I mean, I'm don't con- tell us well I'm conscious that there could be people here who want to see it who fair. haven't seen it so what I will say is I'm going to spoil that answer now for the next 30 seconds or so so maybe just hit that skip button Yes, two of the characters go to space, <laughs> and it's really annoying, and I hated it, and yeah, I mean, it's a strange franchise, but I'm exhausted by it now, and watching it over the period of time that I watched it over did start to melt my brain a bit. I think some of them are genuinely good. I think the franchise does miss Paul Walker quite a lot, and they're going to make more, obviously. Oh, one yeah. Or two, you know, one <laughs> or was, two, I think. Maybe two part of fin- finale. There was a quote Diesel that was brought to my attention during the week where he had said, I think a couple of years ago, that... Um, I promise the studio I'll do one last trilogy. So I don't, not one last film, <laughs> but I don't know where we are in that potential trilogy. I did check um, online thereafter, and the final film of the trilogy was two films, which is amazing. Yeah, it's upsetting. I, like, like, they've said that they're going to end it on ten. 
but I think it's going to be like an Avengers style part one, part yeah, two thing. Okay. And it's just become bloated and crazy and excessive and annoying. And there's just no stakes at all. These characters are invincible. That's even a plot point in the new one. One of them's like, I think we can't get killed. And it's like, great, cool. You're leaning into it. It was very boring. And of course, I went, myself and Higgs went to see it on the night of... Um, the, the greatest Spain, football night of all time. <laughs> the Spain-Croatia game, which finished 5-3 to Spain in extra time. Spoilers for that game. And also <laughs> France-Switzerland. A week which, later. <laughs> France-Switzerland, which finished 3 all at the death and then went to penalties. I got, I got home just in time for the penalties. And like the WhatsApp group, fuck me. Oh, man. All the, all the lads. was like, <laughs> there's been 10 goals since Dave and Higgs went to the cinema. <laughs> and then there's even a reply where like Cullum just goes, has there ever been a better day than this? And the best part is, he was referring to like for football, but it just sounded like he was like. I don't think he has was. There I been think he a- meant in general, it was fucking. It was a, our own summertime for humanity. Just I think Higgs, Higgs, by the way, who picked the night, booked the tickets. We could have gone Wednesday. I think he's genuinely upset with himself and the situation. So well, it seems like he would have been fine in normal time for the first game which was the big one and no one could have foreseen Switzerland France being the absolute belter it was so it just was one of those spontaneous things you can't really plan for that's true listen uh, before we move on to our album review uh, I just want to say real quick um, best wishes to Mark Hoppus of Blink-182 fame who revealed uh, about a week ago or so that he is uh, having ongoing treatment for uh, cancer diagnosis. Uh, he said, for the past three months, I've been undergoing chemotherapy for cancer. It sucks and I'm scared. At the same time, I'm blessed with incredible doctors and friends to get me through this. I have months of treatment ahead. I'm trying to remain hopeful. I can't wait to be cancer-free and see you all at a concert in the near future. Love to you all. Um, he then spoke on a radio show shortly afterwards and said that, you know, he's kind of having ups and downs, of course. And there have been, you know, he said, I didn't feel like I was going to throw up today, so we'll take that as a win. Uh, on good days, I, I go for walks outside. Um, but this round of chemo, I wasn't stuck on the couch miserable. I've actually watched movies and walked around and cleaned the house and hung out with my dogs. I didn't just feel like a poison electrified zombie leaning up against a fence like I did the rest of the time. So he's obviously going through it. And, <clears throat> you know, details are scarce, as is his wants. That's his privacy. Um, yeah. I think one one positive thing that has come out of this is that, like, well, obviously Travis Barker voices support for, for his bandmate and friend, but so did Tom DeLonge, who, of course, is, like, you know, estranged from the band and whatever. Um, he said that he's been aware of this for a while, actually, and hailed uh, Mark Hoppus as a superhuman being who is pushing through this difficult obstacle with a wide open heart. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I saw that news kind of emerge late, or like on Friday morning or something, Um and it hit me pretty hard because, like, I've spoken on the show on this show quite often about how much I admire Mark Hoppus and like the best Blink songs are Mark Hoppus songs. I think ultimately, when it comes to Blink One Eighty Two, as I've said before, yes, they have plenty of songs that are crap. <laughs> you know, they have plenty of songs that are ridiculous and they lots of juvenile stuff and you know maybe like you know some problematic stuff here and there, whatever. But there's also an awful lot of empathy, an awful lot of heart, an awful lot of human spirit and life experience stuff that I think Mark Hoppus in particular has captured incredibly well over the years. And even if that wasn't the case, you know, you wish him luck and you wish him well. But of course, I yeah. said to a friend of mine, I was like, this feels like it's happened to a friend. Like there's just something about this where, you know, cancer fucking sucks. Fuck cancer. No one in the world deserves to go through it. But like with this guy, you're like, for fuck's sake, man. So look, hopefully he recovers, hopefully he recovers soon and well and healthy and big fan of him, love the guy and just wanted to put a little mention in for that. So we'll awkwardly pivot now to the final Heads what we Up do. Podcast Network plug ever. 
Uh, it's a great podcast about films. It's called I Know That Face. If you're into character actors like I am and watching movies like that aren't just The Fast and the Furious, this is the podcast for you. And it's an honour, by the way, can I just say, to, to, to tease this up, in particular one that I really, really like, and to sign off our duties on the Heads Up Podcast Network, which really haven't been that many. The boys have been incredibly good to us. And again, we thank them a lot. We love them a lot. And if you want to support this show going forward, it's patreon.com slash But for now... Check out this teaser and check out the podcast. It's great. Hello, everyone, and welcome to I Know That Face, the only podcast which honours the often underappreciated by the masses work of character actors. My name is Stephen Portia. My name is Andrew Carroll. Character actor is a supporting actor who specialises in playing unusual, interesting or eccentric characters. For whatever reason, these performers are less concerned with being stars. Because of that, they often take supporting roles in big movies or only play leads in indie films or TV. They're less concerned with their image. They can bounce between heroes or villains. They're chameleons and they often disappear into each role. So you might know the faces, but you might not know the names. So subscribe to us wherever you keep subscribed for podcasts and be on the lookout for that to come. And until then, uh, see you later, Cinephiles. Bye-bye. Right, it's album review time. So many albums out last week, it was actually ridiculous. Um, We're not reviewing Picture This. I know there's been lots of calls for us to do this. I will say that I did listen to the album. Did you listen to Picture This, Craig? Fuck no. <laughs> well, it could be your birthday there treat. There's been a lot of music out. I'll get to it. There's been so well much music. The lads. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say well done to the lads. It's absolutely dreadful. And I must shout out LA House Party by that band. Could be the worst song of the entire year. I'll be very, very surprised if anything beats it. Although the track that follows it is up there. But look, this isn't a place to stamp all over an Irish band. It's here to talk about an American hip hop artist. And that man is called Tyler the Creator. Okay. Here's a track off his new record. Now we ready. Rolls Royce pull up. Black boy, hop out. Shout out to my mother and my father, they can pull out. MSG sell out. Fuck these niggas, yap out. Whips on whips, my ancestors got their backs out. Two, four, five hundred stacks for the hood. Call me Lumberjack, cause I wish a nigga would. Whereas you would like I, this the wish a nigga could face. They ain't getting paper like they should. It's mean, it's moody, it's called Lumberjack, it's taken from the record. Call me if you get lost. Tyler the Creator's return. It hasn't been that long since we last heard from him, but it's always nice to hear from him. Craig, before we get into the quality or lack thereof on this piece of material, who is Tyler the Creator? Tyler Gregory Economa, um, an LA kid, de facto leader of Odd Future, Wolfgang, Kill Them All. Um, yeah, he was positioned as a kind of provocative, like fiercely talented um, delinquent, I guess, for a long time. And the narrative is now he's a reformed character in, you know, and he's reformed himself in genuinely interesting ways. Something of a no encore fixture, as you mentioned there. We have a soft spot for the man. Um, like it was a stacked week last week. Um, uh, but this was really only the, the only kind of logical choice. Um, so, yeah, he was last seen, I guess, nearly scooping our album of the year 2019. I think it went to Twigs. And that album was Igor. It was a wondrous thing. It truly dazzled me. Um, I was bopping majorly this week to an acapella version of it that's up on YouTube that people should definitely check out. Just kind of highlights the strength of the songwriting. Um, But yeah, it was singular, kind of brash but warm. Like this out of nowhere kind of um, queer, psychedelic, neo-soul pop thing. And it was part of a kind of neat uh, David versus, versus Goliath story as well, where he scooped uh, a number one on the Billboard charts um, over DJ Khaled, who was like throwing his toys out of the pram hilariously when his like star-studded album succumbed to this oddball, auteur, self-produced work. Uh, so it was a great moment for music. Um, he seems like he's a huge future, kind of endless possibilities. 
of those possibilities now with this he's returned to a thought he had um like an ambition he harbored way back in like i think 2010 to do a gangsta grills album which was dj uh dramas like influential series of mixtapes from around about 2007 um had the likes of kind of fabulous luda gucci the waynes of this world on it you know during tyler's formative years so he's going for something that's a bit chaotic uh unpolished this kind of intimate voyage with a lot of variety and um yeah it's kind of presented as like a bougie travelogue i guess where he's like touring the world but he's also revisiting his old artistic haunts there's a bit of goblin there wolf um a return to kind of rough and ready rap um alongside some of the kind of kaleidoscopic rmb uh he's really thrived on in recent years with the likes of flower boy so yeah it's it's kind of braggadocia in a record but like cat buoyant with his trademark vulnerability uh there's new persona there as there always is this sir bottle air guy um and yeah it's kind of like him talking about the earthly delights he's enjoying while still dealing with the kind of existential maladies um he's getting super comfortable with his truth and i think that's what makes him compelling dave were you compelled i certainly was craig in a very different way to igor which is a fantastic record um this one i guess to me had a bit of a three line in that like i was brought back to of all things um horror the hip-hop duo that we've had on the show before oh no nine nine if colm regan was here he would say oh no nine 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 oh nine um so great band love them they had their record united states of horror back in 2017 i believe there's a there's a few tracks on there that like like either take place in a car at night or like have the feeling of being trapped in a car at night and like you know kind of um danger lurking around every corner both inside and outside the vehicle um i kind of got that from this record I, I felt like i was kind of trapped in a car with Tyler the crater and his mates uh dj drama in particular who's like all over this album to the point where like it gets a bit much for me where it's just like okay right back off on one track here would you mate uh, let tyler do his thing uh much has been made of course about this record about like this is like tyler's return to like his certain style of rapping and it's you know Take no prisoners, Tyler the Crater, whatever that means. Um, I was compelled from the first second because it does kind of drop you in in media res. It's very hypnotic. Uh, it's very insistent in that good way. I think it's really, really good. Why don't I love it? You tell me. Oh, I have to tell you, do I? <laughs> well, I can confirm I was compelled. Uh, I remain compelled and I love it. <laughs> okay, I'm not surprised. I think it's really good. I just don't know how good it is. Like, I think Igor is the better album by quite some distance in that I think it's a bit more, I don't want to say accessible. This is not unaccessible or inaccessible. But there Do you prefer is... his kind of pop chops and him kind of leaning into the singing and the vulnerability rather I think than I do. The, the rap? Yeah, I think I do. I, I think I can appreciate this style more than love it. Um, and okay. I did find that like the more I went on like because there, there's a track like late in the game here called Wilshire and it's like an eight and a half minute kind of flat line for me like I actually found it more irritating the more I heard it like he's right. got moments that I like throughout the record there's one in particular really like where he either opens the song or closes it and he like he puts on an affectation of like a whiny uh like white, white girl, girl. Yeah. yeah and he's like you gotta say something like about black people and i was like <laughs> i thought that was very funny because uh he also has references to where he says um he was cancelled before cancel culture was a thing which yeah. of course is is true in many many ways um i don't know i mean like with igor i was like fuck this is like neon and this is like shooting for the stars and it's like huge and it could be you know like he could be like a superstar with this he is a superstar 
and like there's always room for this, but this felt more kind of Earl Sweatshirt album that I will listen to once and think is great and never listen to again. I've listened so to it amazing, more. in other words. <laughs> but I've not, I could I've do it to, an Earl album right now. I've listened yeah. to this quite a lot this week, and there was a, but there was a point there where today in particular, while I was doing some work and the sun was blazing, I was like, nah, I'm not, I, I can't have this in my headspace today. I need to actually focus, which isn't a criticism of the record. It's more about the timing and the circumstance. I think this is really good. I'm going to give it a good score. But I, I found it to be one kind of continuous piece, one kind of mood thing, as opposed to identifiable highlights like like an Igor, for example. But to be fair, I've never, I, I, I didn't get in on Tyler until late. Like I wasn't yeah. there when you know Odd Future was a thing. I wasn't there when it was when 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 he was the enfant terrible back in the fucking early tens, I suppose, early to mid yeah. tens, if that. So you've probably had more of a relationship with him than I have. Yeah, I think that's part of the fun of this record for me, that he's going back to styles he um, attempted previously and had a lot of success with. But just now his kind of his own production is at such a different level. His mastery over his bars is kind of singing the different genres he fits through. He, it's just like a better version of everything that came before. Um and yeah, there's that like Baudelaire quote that like genius's childhood recalled at will. I think he's kind of doing that on this. Um, and I think there's a bit of genius to what he does. Like, I think he brings in this new persona, but the persona personas are kind of flimsy at this point. We have a real unvarnished Tyler now um, and he's in his element. He's kind of, it's like a kid in a candy store sonically, I think. I think the mixtape thing really suits him. He nails the vibe he wants. Um, I thought, yeah, drama might be a bit marmite. Like, I, I'm seeing a lot of people get quite annoyed at his features and his kind of like his little ad libs and stuff. Um, I think that really works for me because I think it's exactly what Tyler was going for. And I think he kind of subverts it at times in a really, really interesting way. Um but yeah, I think it's, you know, there's wide eyed joy here, there's playfulness, there's the invention of his early kind of career but it's now combined with how accomplished he is as an artist i think this is like the third of his classics really i think he hasn't missed in a long time and i love how you know there's kind of braggadocia here um where he's just you know he flat out is saying you know it's it's opulence baby (laughs) but it seems to be the thing he's most proud of and should be is um kind of all the knowledge the nous the kind of wisdom um, both technically and I guess maybe spiritually he's accumulated like it's that thing of like thematically his passport is the most valuable thing to him it's the journey he's been on and I think he retraces those steps in a really evocative way um, he was going for kind of some Pharrell stuff like early mixtape things DJ drama stuff Kanye's obviously long been a kind of touchstone for him um, he's a Kanye kid. This is obviously the producer rapper thing, the outspoken thing, uh, backpacker thing, and just how they felt like outsiders. I think this is it's, it's interesting. It's him kind of entering like an imperious phase where he's combining like commercial and critical success. But with this in the last record, it's almost like he's done a kind of mid-career Kanye in reverse where I feel like Igor was like an 808s kind of thing where it's like he's channeling pain into this immaculate pop. And this might be his kind of graduation moment where it's like a more sophisticated, polished brand of what came previously. It's like a kind of victory lap thing. And yeah, like some of this kind of rap can really irritate me, but I think he wears his kind of success well and he's interesting with it. Like he's, you know, it's almost like a kind of Prince thing where 
you know, when he's bragging about cars, he's talking about how he's got two Rolls Royces and you're just like, that sounds, of course you do. Of course you get those like cartoonish cars. He's like even hilarious when he's kind of doing his Kanye thing of like, it's like inclusive stunting where it's, it's all about I'm great and you can be great too. And he's, you know, there's bars of him mentoring from the other side. I think you hear that in the features where there's like a lot of newcomers tearing it up and yet they never really show him up, which is very Kanye thing. Um, but yeah, I think there's really strong songs here. I I agree that <laughs> it's weird. Wiltshire is a real statement. Um, I think it's artistically very good. I'm not going to return to it quite a bit. I think that mic he's using, the kind of cheapo mic where he's popping quite a bit, is putting me off a lot. But I think it's accomplished. I think it's an example of him doing like a kind of, he's mastered so many styles and he's on top of the world. So he's going to do some like improv stuff just because he can, almost like an Andre thing, like a a life in the day of, of Andre Benjamin. Um, that's what I got from it. It just felt really enjoyable throughout. There's so many layers to it, but also there's so many bops. Um, production's insane. And yeah, I don't have too many qualms with this. I can totally understand how... It's kind of a genre album, even though he flits about, like it keeps returning to that style that he's kind of quite nostalgic for. So if you didn't grow up on that or if you don't have a particular affinity for it, I can understand why long stretches of it could be a skip for you. Um, But for me, I'm like, yeah, I keep returning to it. I think it's tremendous. Not quite a skip. It was just more that I never kind of found the heart of it, really. Uh, I guess in closing, if I could ask you, um, you mentioned even this is in his three classics what are those three classics and also would you recommend this as a place to start with Tyler the Creator for somebody who's never heard him before never heard an album before it would depend on the person I think for sure um I think yeah I think as a summary of what he's done I mean it feels like just that to be honest if you want to have an overview of his odd future stuff and his early days stuff and how he's kind of progressed um from Flower Boy on I think Igor's more of an outlier I think there's elements of that brought in in some of the kind of sweeter R&B pop songs. Like you do get some of those beautiful kind of piano-based melodies that he's been coming up with. I think if you're into rap in general, yeah, this is a strong recommend. If you're not really too much of a head, um, Igor just stands alone and you could kind of recommend it to anyone. But yeah, I think um, Boy Igor and this are just three in a row. He's like, he's now at a level where, because, like you know, he was the main man for Odd Future right out of the gate. And then I think Frank kind of started lapping him and he had a few misfires. Um, some of the albums just didn't really live up to the hype. And um, he had his own kind of just issues for being outspoken. It felt like he might just fall by the wayside a bit. And now I think he's like easily on a level with Frank. Like, I think he's absolute top tier. Um and yeah, I think I think it's the contradictions in him and how he's just like, you know, when he talks about the kind of Selena Gomez stuff and he's just, he says, <laughs> he then ends up talking about how he wanted to sleep with Justin Bieber and he kind of finishes it by saying how he's, you know, he speaks it with his chest. And I think he does that with everything and that's why we love him. He's just a bundle of contradictions, but that's why it's great. There's a moment for me on one of the songs where it's, DJ Dramas doing his thing, his ad lib hype thing. And he's just like bragging and he's like, you know, we're at the tippy tippy top. Your ladder will never allow you to get to these heights. <laughs> but underneath it, Tyler's going, please don't go. Please just stay. Please don't go. Please just stay. And there's so many moments where he's like saying, yeah, I've got everything I want, but I'm a fuck up and I'm in love with a, you know, the, you know, the, 
crescendo of like spoiler alert of Wilshire is him wanting to get with a girl that's with another guy his friend and in the end she chooses the friend um, so he's just you know even as much as this is a Gangster Grills album it's still trademark Vulnerable Tyler and I think that's a great thing to have around so I would give this a 9 out of 10 I think it's that's one of the albums of the year whoa. for me yeah I, mean, I think nine. it's a great rap when album was, yeah. when was the last time you broke out a 9 this year did you Nick K. No. Ellis maybe oh yeah actually that was a 9 yeah that's fair Okay. Kind of just right up there. Dry cleaning, I think, was a strong eight. But yeah, yeah, this is right up there for me. I'm going 7.5. It's yet another example of me enjoying something on a surface level and not connecting to it on a deeper level. But there's always the possibility that come the end of the year, when I really drill down into stuff, this will certainly be in the mix. And I would expect that it will be in my top 20, maybe top 10. Who knows? Even higher. I don't know. Over the course of the week, I mean, I was never bored. I was never, it was never a chore. I like it a lot. And I like rap. But I just really liked Igor <laughs> and I kind of wanted more of that, I think. That's allowed. Yeah, it's great. I'm sure he'll he'll double back on it at some point. All right. Well, we're going to triple down on our top five <laughs> yes. this week. It's time to get lost. Craig gave a bit of a, a bit of a descriptor. Anything else you want to say before we dive in here? You picked this it's one. It's top I guess five you songs it. about being lost. And I feel like <laughs> you saying, you picked this one is really just true. You had also said in the chat, oh yeah, I thought of that too. So I did think, I it, think it, it worked. I, I quickly said we picked it. I, you know, I stumbled over my words, Greg. You know, it's, it's been it's, an um, emotional episode. It's, it's Ron Seal. I'm happy with my selections. I'm well, let me ask you one. Yours. Let me ask yeah. you one question about the whole Ron Seal thing. Is there a difference between being lost and feeling lost, or is it the same damn thing? It's the same damn thing. The only struggle I had was I was veer. I was like getting into territory where it was songs about other people that were lost and missing people or searching for people. And then I was like, No, Craig, that's not what we're doing. Okay, it has to be the protagonist is lost in some way for okay. me. Right, I probably have that covered. I guess we'll find out. Um, I'm going to kick it off this week, though, because I wasn't here last week. So Go on. Go let's on. kick this if top this five. this is Bob Dylan, <laughs> Shelter from the Storm. <laughs> five in a row. <laughs> Not dark yet, which, by the way, would have been my choice for best Bob Dylan song. Um, right, top five songs about being lost. Dave Hanready up first. Here's my number five. It's Alessia Cara, or Alicia Cara, I'm not entirely certain. Ellen called her Alicia Cara when she introduced her on her show. And as we know, Ellen is in fact always I hate correct. agreeing with her, but she's <laughs> right on that it's one. It's Alicia, <laughs> all right. Alicia Cara, spelt Alessia. Um, she, this song is called Here. It's her debut single from 2015. Uh, she's Canadian, by the way, so happy Canada Day to her. Happy Canada Day as well, by the way, to our good buddy Joshua Hughes, who's over there, who I haven't seen in a long time. We love him to bits. He's a good friend of we ours. Uh, Alicia Carr could be a good friend, too. Who knows if she ever comes over to Ireland and we get to hang out with her. Uh, this song rules. Uh, first time I heard it, I loved it. It actually might have been Josh who played it to me in the first place. Um it's uh, full of samples, as you can probably tell there. I guess predominantly Glory Box by Portishead. There's uh, yeah. Ike's Rap 2 by Isaac Hayes and Tricky's Hell is Round the Corner. Um, incredible song. It's weird. She's been around for a while. She has a new album coming this year. It'll be her third record, I believe. And 
I mean, like, I looked it up. She has like sixteen point seven, you know, million listeners on Spotify a month, and clearly is a thing. But I kind of thought she'd be bigger, especially off the back of this record. So this is your classic. I'm at a, I'm at a party and I'm having a bad time. It's funny. I, I referenced earlier on. Um, Picture this as L.A. House Party, which uh, is, is is very much the same theme. But unlike that song, this is a good song that's well written by people with talent. So um, Alicia Carr is very, very good. The song rules. Um, she's basically at the party. She's being bothered by all kinds of people. It sucks. And it's the it's that kind of I think it's that kind of scale of being lost where you're like you're in the safety of a place. You know, you're like you got four walls and a roof. You got people who are ostensibly, you know, friendly, I suppose. But you really just want the fucking ground to open up and swallow you. You don't know why you're there in the first place. Maybe even dragged there by somebody else. I think everyone's had that experience, really. But it does yeah. open up just an existential chasm, especially because you're like, as as safe as I supposedly am here or whatever. Like, I'm 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 miles <clears throat> from home. You know, it's a it's an ordeal to get out of this thing. All the social cues. Why won't this person leave me alone? Like, I'm sure I've been that person at the party who's been fucking burning someone's ears off. But I've had it done to me as well, Craig. And that's the universality. Is that even a word? Of being lost in a public setting like this. You love a good party, don't you? Stag party in particular. (laughs) I do. I used to. Different lifetime. Yeah, it's it's that feeling that was perfectly captured by Ed Sheeran and Justin Bieber on their hit, I don't care. Um, or at least they had each other. It's the 50s. It was very like, you know, and coming up next, chart topper. <laughs> <laughs> Number one with a bullet. <laughs> yeah, I love the um, Portishead sample on this. Weirdly, uh, like, I was looking for songs this week and I was like, Portishead definitely have one that's on this theme and every song I listened to was almost there but not quite so we somehow got them in so congratulations Dave thanks man I am Craig Fitzpatrick reporting for Judy and here's my number five Strange Town, yes, it's the jam, and it feels kind of weird picking the jam because I feel like they've become very associated with a certain kind of audience at this point. Where it's Tories, just like, is it? Yeah, yeah, actually, with the Rosa thing, wasn't there back in the seventies where a young Paul Weller was like, "I voted for Thatcher, she's punk rock," and then like a week <laughs> later, he's like, "No, I didn't actually. I was just trying to be cool." I don't know what he was doing but um, yeah the whole kind of mod fodder thing and proper haircuts and proper tunes and proper lads and the jam were amazing um, and you know Morrissey wasn't in them so you can still listen to them <laughs> I think this is incredible um, it's a great example of just an incredible run they were on of singles this was one of the standalone jam singles late 70s um, it actually ended up on a Canadian pressing of the album Setting Suns, so they knew what was up. But yeah, like a great B-side as well, Butterfly Collector. And this is Weller at the peak of his powers when he's probably like 20 or something ridiculous. And it's got, you know, the modish bounce. It's got um, that kind of super thought and economical um, thing, which is these kind of power chord explosions at the right time, but also winding proggy passages. And I love 
the lyric to it because they were very much a band that were like from Woking and they rocked up in London and they got a lot of stick from like the punkish establishment and stuff. I think Weller was essentially like we felt like country bumpkins when we kind of showed up. And I think this captures it so well. Um, he said this is one of um, he's written three songs in his career that are perfect. And this is one of them. The other two are like from his solo career. Um, and like they didn't really ring a bell with me. He didn't include like that's entertainment going underground. So I don't know. It's one of those things hard to say. But I would agree this is a perfect jam song. And yeah, it was just it popped into my head. I hadn't heard it in years. I stuck it on. I was like, wow, this still feels very powerful. And despite all of the kind of jam connotations, I am now going to listen to a lot of jam songs and they all still sounded great. It's like, you know, his writing was on point. It's that lineage of like Ray Davies, just really good observational stuff. Um, yeah, I'll defend this to the death. Maybe okay. not the death. Well, no. For the um, rest of the podcast. <laughs> well, uh, step on up, son, because uh, you mentioned modest, modish bounce. Uh, fucking hell. Uh, You've got to play a Modest Mouse song now, Dave. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> oh, I that wish. That would have been amazing. Link. I absolutely uh, I wish. I wish I could. But no, um, Modest Bounce. It's just, I'm like, I like this style, man. This pogoing bullshit of the jam. Not for me. I don't, I don't get it. I don't I think don't, you could pogo to this, to be honest. Really? It's a bit It's a bit madness, isn't it? It's a bit ska. Like, you don't like madness? You don't like ska? What, what are you going to tell me next that you like the Ordinary Boys, is it? Like, like where are we going with this? Well, Ordinary Boys were very much landfill ska um, three <laughs> decades later, so I don't think you can hold the original bands accountable. Um, yeah, no, I know I know this isn't a style you're really into, but um, hell of a songwriter. And yeah, no, I think they're one of the great, the great bands of the era. I think I they're a bit say, slept on at this point. I was going to say, it's your birthday, I'll let you have it, but you're you're just careening off into, into chaos now. So why don't we mix it up with a band that only I would ever pick and have picked quite often? It's these guys. Dave Hanready here, number four. So I uh, I only labelled the clip there with the song title and Sonic Architect Adam came off mic for a second there before you played it and he went Converge, isn't it? And then played it. You nailed the disdain there. <laughs> it is Converge. You're on Every- your own here, buddy. After you disrespected the mod fodder. <laughs> I to say. Um, well, it's time to talk about the sad father who is Jacob Bannon. <laughs> this is Converge and the song is Thousands of Miles Between Us. Uh, a rare song in which you can actually make his vocals out and you can hear the lyrics and they are very hurt, Craig. They're very wounded. Uh, none more wounded, I would suggest, than Converge. This is taken from their most recent album, 2017's The Dusk in Us, uh, which was the last review I ever wrote for Drowned in Sound, would you believe? I then went on to start my job in Joe around that time, and I remember feeling quite lost. You know, how's that going to work, this whole career business? And now look at me, I don't work for them anymore. So, um, new Converge album would be nice anytime soon, Jacob Bannon. Um, Converge are one of those bands, I'm not going to spend fucking too long on this. You know, I had to include them. In fact, I will say, you know, for people who are like, 
for fuck's sake, Dave, really. I left out a lot of stuff in this top five that I ordinarily would probably pivot towards. So for, did I, yeah. For example, uh, I didn't put in Linkin Park, Somewhere I Belong. I didn't put in The, Neither middle, did I. the middle by Jimmy Eat World. Uh, I didn't Neither put in Where I. Is My Mind by The Pixies, because I used that before. Uh, I didn't put in Once in a Lifetime by Talking Heads. I didn't put in... I used that in, before. And I really was, I, I really was considering Elton John Rocketman, uh, but obviously I had I'm Still Standing recently, but I was like, I was like, no, no, what I'll do is I'll be subversive and I'll pick Converge. Oh, so sorry. Yeah. I also didn't pick, you know, my favorite band of all time, White Snake. So ultimately I think what I've done here is I've, I, I, I've, I've followed the script perfectly. Uh, I will say that real What's quick. What's the White Snake song? Here I go again on my own. But he, like, he's walking down the only road he's ever known. So he knows he exactly where he is. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. <laughs> Money joke. It's probably good that I didn't pick it then. <laughs> but he but he says he's a drifter. So like I a mean drifter, drifter a drifter isn't necessarily lost. Yes, the, that's the whole point of being a drifter. Is that you don't know where you're going in life and you're gonna like go to a different town and meet different people. No, no, as no, a state no of mind though, it feels like no, he's, no direction he's, home. he's literally he's walking down a road. So he's the only road he's ever known. But he doesn't know himself. That roads unknown. He knows the. You can know the fucking physical road, Craig. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily like getting on. Like he's aimless. He's lost. He's directionless. I didn't pick that song. I picked <laughs> this song, "Thousands of Miles Between Us" by Converge, which is a great song. Real quick, Converge to me nailed the wounded thing, the vulnerable thing, like no other. On paper, Jacob Band's words can often be extremely direct and raw, and they can. I hate to say this, but they can on occasion resemble the poetry diary entries of a teenage boy but he brings them to life like a well-worn adult what am i saying (laughs) listen to converge they rule and when i feel lost and i often do they kind of have that mutual empathy thing that kind of helps me up a little bit so it would have been a pretty bad thing of me to not throw them into a top five but i can swear to you there'll be some surprises coming listeners i swear (laughs) don't go here's one i think we can both agree on That really would have been a wonderful cue for Whitesnake, Craig. I was hoping it was going to happen. <laughs> it's um, the new prog version of Whitesnake, Mars Volta. <laughs> I believe it's Inertiatic ESP. Um, Sorry, what song is this? Iner- is it Inertiatic ESP? I've never pronounced it out loud before. Spell it's it. It's taken from I-N-E-R-T-I-A-T-I-C. That is a Can I give it a go? Uh, inertiatic. I think it's an... Isn't it because it's inertia and then it's Hang tick? On. I'll inertia give it one more go. Tick. I'll give it one more go. How about conservatorship? Yeah, I fucking nailed it. Thank you. Congratulations. Uh, conservatorship is not the first full-length song on <laughs> Deloused in the Comatorium. This is... <laughs> And yeah, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. Well, actually, it's not self-explanatory at all, but he is screaming, now I'm lost. But it's from the point of view of um, a man lying in a comatose state in hospital who's had an overdose of morphine and rat poison. And the whole album is this concept album of... It's kind of when you take the bad LSD, I guess, and it kicks in and it's quite the voyage. Um, Mars Volta of course, being the proggier offshoot of At The Drive-In. Um, 
I wasn't really familiar with At The Drive-In when I got this album as uh, a youngster. I think it was about 13. I went to HMV in Blanchardstown, picked it out, heard good things, went to the counter and the dude working behind the counter was like, uh, you can return this, man, if it's it's kind of out there. <laughs> you can bring it back, no problem, which is very nice of him. And I think I just went, now you're grand. I was, hoping- I was like, dude, I've read an issue of Q Magazine. I know what's <laughs> up. <laughs> I was hoping that, I was actually hoping the story when you, you brought up at the drive-in's relationship of command and the guy there is like, no, 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 you want the real stuff. And he whips out yeah. Mars Volta. That would have been very cool. Um, I didn't really stick with Mars Volta. I did love this album. Um, I think in large part this was, you know, it's it's quite proggy. It's conceptual. It's out there. Um, but Rick Rubin was on board and the band have talked about how he was just like, you know, you've got to simplify stuff. You've got to, it can be unique, but we want to catch like the common man's ears, um, which were, I guess, my ears, um, aged 13 or 14. And you know, they've said in kind of glowing terms that he actually made it digestible and I think it really stands up as a record. Um, Francis the Mute was the follow-up. I think I listened to it once and it was just getting a bit too esoteric for me. But yeah, I love this. And this is very much of the the genre of, you know, whatever about being geographically lost on a road you may or may not know uh, or being a drifter. But that thing of like, you know, it is Pixies, where's my mind? You can't lose, you know, be any more lost than kind of losing your mind or kind of being disconnected from who you truly are. It's quite a frightening concept for sure. It's quite a frightening album at times, but really emotional um, and just incredible rock as well. I just dug the riffs when I was young. Uh, such such emotion to it but yeah um one to listen to if you want your kind of atoms rearranged slightly i still really like it yeah i've got a lot of time for mars volta i reviewed their nocturnicate record for hot press back in the day i love at the drive-in as well of course and i do think that that at the drive-in album from a few years ago interalia um which everyone just oh yeah like, everyone was like oh yeah it sucks because it's not relationship of command i think we like, yeah. kind of spoke quite highly of it did we it was it was i a think fun listen we reviewed it's it right a good album it's a yeah. good album and i yeah. think people like have it in them that they're like no nothing could possibly and it's like yeah don't get wrong relationship of command is one of the best albums of all time but like the follow-up's decent mars well got a lot of good stuff too good choice um i'll tone it down a bit though get a bit somber now with my third selection the clouds Is that the new single from Islands, Dave? <laughs> hey, kids. For people that didn't hear yeah, last week's show, uh, Islands released a single that was very similar to this, or not this song, but this artist, Julie Byrne. It is, in fact, Julie Byrne. I was going to yeah. be like, hey, kids, it's Julie Byrne, uh, American <laughs> singer-songwriter from Buffalo, New York. This song is called Follow My Voice from the 2017 album Not Even Happiness. She's overdue a new album as well. Like, that's, yeah. that was only her second record. Um... Yeah, so hang on. First of all, what I want to say real quick is New York, I've never been. You've been quite a lot. I think you enjoy it quite a bit. Um, I if someone, if someone put a gun to my head, Craig, and said, tell me where Buffalo is, I probably wouldn't say New York. I'd probably say like Colorado or something. But New York's got some cool place names and some interesting people, especially if Julie Byrne is someone to go by. Uh, this record I, I thought was absolutely captivating when it arrived a few years ago. It was getting some kind of, you know, 
uh, cred in the hipster press and I was like I'll give it a go indie kind of folk very winsome of course very somber some beautiful lyrics on this one as well um, I've seen a double rainbow I got a complicated soul to me this city is hell but I know that you call it home I was made for the green made to be alone so it's obviously about you know love and like sacrificing for the people and finding yourself in strange places that you don't necessarily fit in but Craig, when you've been to New York a couple of times, did you necessarily fit in or did you ever get lost? Tell me some, give me some Home Alone to Craig in New York stories here. Um, I did once get lost uh, trying to go and see an outdoor um, summertime Stephen Malkmus gig with a friend of mine. We wandered around Slower East Side for quite a while and eventually we realised that the gig had happened the week before. <laughs> so that was a typical kind of New York Ouch. experience. I've never been to Buffalo. Um, it's upstate. I'm sure it's lovely. Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Go, go, go the Bills. Go Bill. Go, the Bills. Go. <laughs> I love this song. It's very um, ASMR-y, isn't it? The way that the kind of voice well, is just... interesting that you mention that because I generally can't handle ASMR. And like this kind of music, I again... I'm, Lord I'm knows you've tried. Corner versus outright <laughs> adoration. Um, but yeah. there's something about her voice and the beautiful guitar interplay, I would suggest that, you know... You feel lost, but then it finds you again. She's really fucking good. Like, really fucking good. And I kind of yeah, feel like she's great. in this weird kind of, like I say, kind of very hipstery kind of press arena. I Is she going to be one of these kind of, you know, coffeehouse artists that just exists for 20 years? I don't know. Will she ever have a classic American album? Maybe. Maybe this is a classic American album. Yeah, it just feels like her stuff is really, like, really good in quite a normal way. Just in terms of, like... It doesn't scream out at you from like a press release. She just feels like one of those artists going quietly about her brilliant business that won't really have that spotlight. Hopefully she does. But yeah, this is this is great. So she's condemned okay. now to normcore forever, according to Craig Fitzpatrick, who will know. <laughs> Not a bad place to be. <laughs> um, I'm going to keep it somber for my number three. Witnessing again Burning every bridge that I cross To find something Yeah, keep the downers coming uh, Elliot Smith, Let's Get Lost um, Taken from the 2004 album From A Basement on the Hill Which was his first uh, posthumous collection um, It's an album proper, really So you can kind of hear from that How accomplished and complete the songs are um, He had around about 50 when he passed away but he hadn't kind of put it all together and it was due to be a double album and there's some great stuff on it like I, I don't think it's held up there as one of his classics and this one isn't one of his signature songs but it's one of my absolute favourites probably because it was one of the first ones I heard of his stuff um, apart from kind of you know Miss Misery and you know things we'd we'd heard in the mainstream but um, this was my gateway it was on like some kind of like indie summer <laughs> compilation again probably Q or Mojo or Enemy or something like that but um it was more like end of summer, to be honest. It was stuff like this and Wilco and like Dead Cabs, um, Summer Skin. And it was quite a downer, but very pretty as a lot of Elliot Smith's stuff is. And we're kind of still in ASMR territory as well with him, right? That kind of hushed voice. And I love the guitar on this as well. Just the kind of finger picking. You can hear his fingers almost move over the strings, just the kind of air and everything. And um, yeah, this is quietly devastating because it's like the heartbreak of like knowing there's help there or there's someone that loves you and then still leaving and um 
and just talking about it how you know you burn every bridge you cross but you're going to find some beautiful place to get lost and somehow that sounds hopeful in the song because it's so beautiful but it's not really hopeful at all is it dave well, I it's mean, magic of his music, I guess. Uh, two, two, just two buoyant summer bangers in a row from us. There, <laughs> <I> know, <right. laughs> we know you come to this show uh, at, at the risk of sounding flippant, and I really don't mean to. I guess Elliot Smith is kind of indie music's ultimate lost boy, right? Like that's kind of whether whether in any way intentional or otherwise, his legacy is that of someone who makes has made incredibly uh, heart wrenching music, and like <clears throat> I guess it's. It's probably very hard to divorce yourself. I know it is for me um, from an Elliot Smith record to the context of everything of him and also just the style, which, of course, has been aped by an awful lot of people yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, um, but I guess, you know, obviously that doesn't tell the whole story of him. And I think his immense talent was he could just like, as much as you think he was in great pain, like trying to put these songs together. There's also stories of him, like he would just be knocking off kind of really, really good songs whilst watching like Xena Warrior Princess, because he kind of fancied her and just, do you know what I mean? Like he's just a more kind of colourful character than the caricature, I guess we see now. It is very tough to divorce yourself from his uh, untimely demise, but um, the music's so good. And again, um, it's probably everyone's favourite Beatles fan because he is so Beatles kind of White Album influenced, but I think he's beloved by people that mightn't really be into them. So, yeah, I guess we can thank the Fab Four <laughs> for Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> right, Dave? <laughs> sure, why not? I'm feeling generous this week. Anyway, sure. well, in fairness, I think, you know, well, he in turn has influenced a lot of musicians. Uh, I have to think he had some influence on my number two selection this week, who was going to be my number one, but, I, but I've but i I've gone curveball for my number one. But I will say, uh, it's been some time. No Encore's favourite artist... It's, it's my number two. Let's get literal. Girl, you know you lost me. Lost in the thrill of it all. Miami, Amsterdam, Tokyo, Spain, Los. Los Angeles, India, lost on a train, Los. Why, yes, it's Lost by Frank Ocean. Who's that, you ask? Well, let me tell you, Frank Ocean is an American singer, songwriter, record producer, rapper, photographer, and visual artist, recognised for his idiosyncratic musical style, introspective and elliptical songwriting, and wide vocal range. Ocean is among the most acclaimed artists of his generation. Music critics have credited him with revitalising jazz and funk, influenced R&B, as well as advancing the genre. He's Tyler's mate. His experimental <laughs> approach. Craig, he is considered a representative of alternative R&B. He began his music career as a ghostwriter, okay? Prior to joining... The, how long can I keep this going? You know? <laughs> I don't know. It's Frank Ocean. the initial laugh and then it stopped being a laugh, but it might come back if you keep reading. Yeah, okay, hang on. I think I have a few more paragraphs here. It might uh, not, though, so maybe we'll just continue most chatting. acclaimed album of 2012, uh, Thinking About You is a good song. So it's Frank Ocean, everybody. Um, we're big fans of him on No Encore, and this song is from Channel Orange, which is a fucking beautiful record. I thought about it and I thought, nah, it's too obvious. It's called Lost. It's Frank Ocean. You're being ridiculous. But then I kept listening to it, Craig. And again, my take on it is this, right? You, you, you talk about your Elliot Smiths. I'm going all Andy Gray here now. Yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> and Elliot Smith loops the ball over and says, Frank, it. head me in, son. Uh, and Frank says, thank you. Thank you very so, much. <laughs> fluffed his lines. So here's the thing, right? Um, 
with Frank Ocean, I mean, like, everything about the kind of wonderful, open, beating, bruised, broken heart that you get from the music that you love that takes you to those places. And if you're in those places, and if you are lost, you know, like, I, I find, I, I've got a playlist called Go There A While, most emo shit I've ever done. And it's about, like, when I'm feeling fucking horrendous, you know what? Do it. Just embrace it in that way, in that creative way, maybe. Listen to the sad songs. It can actually help. I'm not a doctor. This is not me prescribing anything. Please don't follow my advice. But Get that advice from Brezzy. Yeah, <laughs> listen, funny. if you're going to listen to a licensed medical professional, make it Nal Breslin of the Wizards. <laughs> Trust him, he's a doctor. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> we won't say you're wrong. So, Frank Ocean, I think with Frank Ocean, um, if you're feeling lost, you're never lost listening to Frank Ocean, are you, though? Because you're there with him. I think his music as... You mentioned Tyler earlier on, the idea of, you know, braggadociousness, which Frank does. But I think even then, like, yeah, fine. Like, you, you're you living a lifestyle I'll never live. You're more talented than I will ever be. You're a beautiful human being. But somehow, I think we're the same guy. And I think that that's the magic of Frank Ocean. Yeah, and it's the Kanye thing as well. Yeah, for sure. It's the, what did I call it? Inclusive braggadocia of like, it's like, I'm great, but you can be great too. And we can all be great together. It's not like punching down kind of stuff. Uh, this is great. I wasn't going to um, include this because I thought it was a bit obvious, but I thought maybe Dave would stick it in. I also cut out who? <laughs> maybe it'll be your number one. Oh. <laughs> Kanye. <laughs> we'll see. Lost in the world. I was just like, oh, it's probably my number one, but it can't be. Here's my number two. Yeah, it's um, it's Granddaddy. He's simple, he's dumb, he's the pilot. A song so good that actor Jason Lee named his son Pilot Inspector partially after it. And yeah, we're back in like being existentially lost for sure. But also it's rooted in a place. You've got like, you know, a narrative with an explorer, an adventurous tale as things kind of go awry. Um, it's kind of that genre of song that like starts with like space oddity maybe where it's, you know, circuit said there's something wrong. Can you hear me, Major Tom? Um, Blur did that kind of thing very well as well. Um, I'm not the world's biggest granddaddy fan. Uh, Software Slump is a classic. It's taken from this. It's, you know, the year 2000. So just post Summertime for Humanity and you've got Kid A and Yankee Hotel Foxtrot and warning about the kind of and this it weren't warning about the ills of technology and commercialism and they were right in, on the money in retrospect um this is a total triumph to me and it's all it's kind of a song in three parts uh, the band have talked about how they weren't really sure that they fit together but somehow they did uh it's quite the voyage it's genuinely uplifting to my ears and it's all it all comes back to those lines of you know you say you can't well i hope you can it's i don't know it's the message you might hear from like 
stirring message from the aliens in arrival or something where it's like come on humanity you can you can do this there's something ethereal about it imagine that that was the actual (laughs) message in arrival (laughs) two hours hours spending (laughs) you can do it (laughs) just a load of fucking instagram memes (laughs) like yeah vague platitudes i probably wouldn't have been Um, bawling my eyes out crying at the end of that film if it was in fact that so fair play to the scriptwriters yeah um back to this album and jason little i think he recorded this he performed most of it by himself and he was in a remote farmhouse so uh a bit lost geographically and yeah there's a quote from where he said you know i just remember everything out there it was dusty humidity and dust and he made the recordings in his boxer shorts, bent over keyboards with sweat dripping off his forehead, frustrated, hungover, and trying to call his coke dealer. And he captured that feeling quite well. Um, a feeling that was captured quite well this week, if you were a fan of the English national football team, was one of joy, I suppose, and relief, you know. As Have they you did. picked three lines? <laughs> <laughs> no, I... <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh, the wilderness me. years. That would have been. Oh, that would have been a beautiful, beautiful way to end it. No, but I, but I was inspired by Gareth Southgate's mighty men as they downed the old enemy, the Germans, in the second round of Euro twenty twenty. Uh, I feel like there's a tie in here, but it brought me back, you know, to that era. I guess you know of uh, of of English pomp and circumstance. And uh, why don't we play out my top five with quote the best song that Jagger and Richards have written in 20 years. Hit the music, Adam. That's not Mick Jagger or Keith Richards. It's Richard Ashcroft of The Verve. And the song is probably their signature song. It's Bittersweet Symphony. And I gotta say, Craig, you know, it's funny, uh, Sarah Corkin and Pillow Queens was on the show two weeks ago. We did 90s rock anthems and she picked Every You, mm. Every Me by Placebo. And she noted that it opens up the film Cruel Intentions. This song closes the film Cruel Intentions. And yeah. I guess through that and just through its general kind of powerhouse osmosis in general, I think my brother had the record. I was fucking obsessed with this song. I was never obsessed with the band, but I thought the song was unbelievable. And it's one of those songs that I've heard, you know, too often now. I've heard it two million times and played a million fucking times, whatever. And I thought about it this week briefly in passing. And then I threw it on. I kept listening to it. And I was like, you know what? I think it is a classic song. Oh yeah, I'm right there with you. But like, most but, people are right. But it's, do you not? But do you not feel like you know? I, there's just something it's, like it, it's, it's simultaneously like because this, it's yeah, so, maybe. I think it's amazing, and I, I think the, the bombast of it and how like, heart in the sleeve it is. I think maybe music just coming back around to embracing that for a long time it didn't, so it seemed maybe a bit cheesy or obvious, but it's it's undeniable when you hear it. Like those strings. And not even the strings that were sampled from uh the what was it, the last time, wasn't that the, the kind of orchestral reworking? Um of the Rolling Stones, yeah. yeah. No. The Rolling Stones who would not be denied themselves and they in fact sued to high heaven. The story goes that they were initially like, ah, don't worry about it, lads, but then they saw how I think well it was the their manager was that was wasn't it Alan Klein that was I think all over it as opposed to Jagger and um Richards. 
They're getting the royalties now, right? Remember that was the story? That was a, that? a couple of years ago. They're getting the royalties now of a song that would have done the business 20 years ago. I don't know how well that goes on. I mean, like, yeah, things they don't better. come after us for <laughs> 30 <laughs> they, seconds. They absolutely <laughs> Richard Ashcroft is just like sniffing out any play whatsoever. Um, when he, 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 <laughs> he wouldn't come after us. He, like, he, he was honoured with an Ivor Novello like, Lifetime Achievement Award in 2019. So he's good people. Yeah, he's one of the good guys. He is good. Um, when you intro this with all the football chat I of course instantly started thinking of Vindaloo like Fat <laughs> and like what was it Paul Gay doing like the I guess he could iconic be lost. video well I mean like well, this this one is literal what a I terrible mean, the, song the, that was the, the video itself as well of course this you know it, it speaks to being lost being different people all the time and never quite knowing who to settle on but I think it does have that kind of heart and humanity um, but interestingly enough it almost never happened Craig speaking to Q Magazine in 2001 so you might have read this one the producer of this record who goes by the name of Youth I guess um, for some reason I don't I don't know if that's a Wikipedia edit that isn't true, but he said, uh, yeah, you too, dude. This was certainly the most successful track I've done. I think Richard had actually cut a version with John Leckie, but by the time I came on board, he didn't want to do the song. I persuaded him to have a go at cutting a version, but at first he wasn't really into it. It was only once we put strings on it that he started getting excited. And then towards the end, Richard wanted to chuck all the album away and start again. What was my reaction? Horror, sheer horror. All I could say was, I really think you should reconsider. And they did. And they've had a career that the Rolling Stones got to make some money off. With a great song, though, it is amazing. And it, and it works. I think it holds up, is my point, really. And it was nice, Craig, I will say, to find the song again. I'm happy for you. Uh, I agree. It holds up. Okay, my number one. This is a band who, back when you had to, like, buy albums, really commit yourself, I used Q Magazine. Um, a buyer's guide to navigate my way through this band's back catalogue. So thank you, Q. Suddenly I stop. I know it's too late. I'm lost in a forest all alone. Go is never there. It's always the same. I'm running towards nothing. Snake. I knew you wouldn't let me down, Craig. Very close. The goth version of White Snake, the cure. <laughs> Robert Smith would love that. Robert Smith, who's probably um has always been the Morrissey we all deserve. I think people are realizing that now. But this is a forest. Um the version there is a kind of acoustic key rework on their greatest hits. Um, which I remember playing specifically on repeat prior to seeing them at Oxygen 2004, I believe, and they're really good. It was initially on 17 Seconds, 1980. And yeah, that kind of murky, murkily produced um, original version suits the song really well. Um, I just kind of love the impassioned vocal here. But yeah, it was them kind of dipping into goth territory and it felt like the real start of the 80s. And it's become something of their signature song. I think they've played it more than any other songs it sums up what The Cure do so brilliantly. It's like a real mood piece. It's just so atmospheric, but just it's got a really immediate pop hook and melody uh, at the centre. And it's, you know, it's kind of, again, gothy, existential. It's about a girl, but it's also very literal. So it was like, yeah, that's my number one. A forest. I'm lost in a forest. And Robert Smith's been asked about the song plenty. And he initially was saying, 
the lyrics were about a dream he had where he was like a child and he was lost in the woods unable to escape um, but he later denied it and said it's just about a forest it was clearly about a girl as well right Robert <laughs> I don't know I just like it ah <laughs> uh, the master of intrigue himself um, yeah I mean like it's funny because like the cure just conjure up like uh, all kinds of wistfulness I suppose but uh, yeah I think it's been an interesting top five, Craig. I think we've had a very kind of, you know, like, I wondered if it would be a downer. I don't think it is. Even the downer songs aren't downer. They're kind of interesting. So, yeah, if anything, I feel like yeah. we've, we've put a smile on people's faces this week. Without question. Oh, definitely. Yeah, without 100%. <laughs> if you're listening to this right now, you are definitely smiling. Yeah, and if you're listening to this right now, it's because, especially this week when my Zoom kept crashing, it's through the majesty and the magic of Sonic Architect Adam Shanahan, without whom... No Encore would be truly lost, and I do mean that. It's patreon.com slash noencore if you want to help support the show. Hashtag now more than ever. As noted earlier in the show, we are going independent. We are moving off the Heads of Podcast Network. Once more, thanks to everyone involved. Every single person who's ever worked with us over the years there. The show will stay the same. There shouldn't be any problem for you in terms of still listening to it. Tell your friends. Word of mouth is helpful. All that kind of stuff. No Oxcord. We're going to record a new one of those next week. There is new No Popcorn on the way. And, you know, all kinds of stuff happening at all times. There's even going to be some new stuff coming on the show pretty soon as well. So we can announce that soon. But for now, my name is Dave Hanready. His birthday is Craig Fitzpatrick. Hey, happy Canada Day. <laughs> happy Canada Day, everybody. Good night. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Summer vacation, here we come. Yep, I packed the craft beers I got at Total Wine. Did you remember a bathing suit? No, but I did pack a bunch of summer wines. Whites, rosés, Zinfandels. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.